Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Hmm. We are still in our table series, uh, which uh, I am excited about. We have uh, a few more weeks, give or take. Um, and uh, this week, as we have been doing, we've been going through um, different places where Jesus shared a meal with someone where he dined with uh, a group of people or a person. And we're going to find that again in Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, So we'll begin in a moment. Um, You ever have one of those moments where you walk into a situation or you're preparing yourself for a situation and it didn't go the way you anticipated yeah. Uh, so, so this happens, whether it's good or bad. Uh, a lot of times, uh, things like take a turn. You're like, I did not expect that at all. And it's usually for the bad. You're like, that was that was not good. That was a terrible experience. Never again. And uh, it's usually like when you buy a puppy. That's how that turns out. You know, we got a puppy once, and uh, I peed in bed, and I about killed it. Um, so, so you're like, man, this thing's cute. It's awesome. It's adorable. And then all of a sudden, like, it destroys everything. And she's so like, this is not going the way I thought it would go. Um, but, but another thing that's similar to that for me, um, okay, I think my wife left. All right. Uh, is, uh, uh, my, my, my daughter had a, a ballet recital, a dance recital. Like no one prepares, uh, um, anyone for that three and a half hour long grueling process. Like I didn't, I thought, I really thought a ballet recital would be like, we go in, we see our cute daughter do her cute things that she's been learning and it will be like 15 minutes and we're out. Uh, that's not, that's not it at all. Right. So it was, it was, it was miserable. Um, when, when, and then she's like, I don't think I like ballet anymore. I'm like, yes, I I like that. And because it was like, I, I left like this, it was in Hilliard. I left and went to get cheesecake and brought it back, uh, to eat cheesecake just to make it a little better. Cause I had three and a half hours to kill. Um, however, uh, uh, she, my daughter, she's like, I'm pointing her out. Anyways, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, she had a band concert. She took, she's doing band. I'm like, band recital, band, band, oh man. So I'm like, okay, great. So we have this thing, um, to, uh, th- Wednesday night. So you know Wednesday was a beautiful day. You know, it was 70 degrees. Uh, windy, but 70 degrees. You remember that? Remember that? Oh, it, was, it was fleeting thought, because it was like snow flurries on Friday. Uh, but, but either way, it was a beautiful day. And I'm like, we have, we have a, a band concert to go to. What a great way to end a night, or a day like today. And so we go, and this is one of those moments where it was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect it to go this way. And so we get there, and like this thing is packed out. Apparently, everyone takes band, um, and so like we had to, we literally had to get our own seats and sit down, and uh, couldn't even see it, what was going on. And um, and the guy came up and he said, "This is this is going to be probably the the uh, the fastest band concert you've ever been to." I'm like, I like the way this is starting. <laughs> and uh, and I kid you not, like this is no joke. It was nine minutes long, nine minutes. I'm like. This is the greatest school event ever. It took us longer to get our own seats than it was for the band concert. So I'm like, this is great. You can do band. And he's like, it's going to get longer as it progresses. I'm like, well, oh, well. Either way, it was one of those moments. I walked in anticipating to be there for three hours, and it was nine minutes. And so I'm, I was happy. Anyways, 
Uh, I share that because the Pharisees in this very moment in Luke chapter 14, the Pharisees um, uh, expected something to go uh, a different way than it does. Um, they invite, uh, a Pharisee invites Jesus to their house again and kind of set it up. Um, in fact, they're doing something in this moment to entrap Jesus. And they, they thought they were going to, to win this bout. They, they thought for sure they had him in this moment and it doesn't go the way that they thought they thought it was going to go. So if you would, we'll pick up in Luke chapter, chapter 14, starting verse one, this is what it says. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And then he took him and healed him and sent him on or sent him away. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that have fallen into uh, a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now, before we read on, let's do some work in this moment. Um, they're having a dinner on the Sabbath and the ruler of the Pharisees decides this is the best opportunity to invite Jesus, a prominent figure in their society to his house. And they do so because they're already angry at what Jesus is doing. They want to prove that Jesus isn't who he says he is. And so they're bringing him in and they plant a man in their midst as a pawn for their own gain their own agenda to try to entrap Jesus. It's interesting to me that this Pharisee brings in this man because those who were invited to, especially the ruler of the Pharisee's house, would have been prominent, important, wealthy individuals. You, you would not normally find a man there, a woman there, with any kind of ailment. And so the fact that this plays out this way, it's almost as if they decided, hey, go find someone who looks deathly sick. Bring them here. Because we're going to use this moment, this Sabbath day, to entrap Jesus. And so Jesus walks into the room that he was invited to, and he sees this man. And what's crazy to me is that no matter how big that room was, we don't know. How many people were there? We don't know. We know that Jesus tended to pack out houses, and so more than likely, there was quite a few people at this dinner party. But when Jesus walks in, his eyes turn to the man who's broken. His heart is turning towards the man who has this illness, this sickness. He's in the ruler of the Pharisee's house, and yet his attention, his gaze is upon a man who's hurting and broken. Um, and in this moment, Jesus, Jesus is like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Like he knew. I don't even know this about Jesus. Jesus knows things. And he knew. He knew that they were trying to trap him because he's already healed on the Sabbath and they didn't like it. Because according to the legalistic rules of the Pharisees, you couldn't, weren't allowed to heal on the Sabbath. Now, those were not God's laws. Those were the Pharisees' laws. And so they're like, you're breaking our 
laws. And so they bring this guy with the anticipation that Jesus is going to heal him on the Sabbath and they're going to be able to call him out and then hopefully entrap him. Yet Jesus does this very interesting thing. I don't know if you see it. Uh, Behold, there was a man before him who had a dropsy and Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now Jesus asked the question, simple question. It's really the reason why this guy is there. Their answer, what we would know would be, uh, you can't heal on the Sabbath, but they can't answer that. Because the moment they say that, they will sound very insensitive and very inhuman in that moment. Like if they say that in front of the audiences there, they're like, we knew you didn't like people. They can't, they can't do it. But then if, if they said, go ahead and heal him, it's okay to heal on the Sabbath. Now they're going against their rules, their policies, their laws that they have set up. And so they would be called hypocrites. They were stuck. Jesus knows the right questions to ask. And he asks it. And they were literally silent. The men who liked to talk a lot had nothing to say in this moment. And so Jesus took this man and healed him and sent him away. Um, Now, let's talk about this man for a moment. This illness that he had would have been incredibly noticeable. Uh, Dropsy is a swelling because of water of your body to a degree where it is incredibly uncomfortable. And not only do you look uh, the, do, do, can you see that dropsy is kind of taken over? But on the inside, your organs are starting to fail. So what's going on in this moment is this guy on the outside looks sick, on the inside is dying. It's almost like all of humanity before they encounter Jesus. This man, this individual is almost like a picture, a depiction of all of humanity before they encounter Jesus. On the outside, just trying to hold it all together. On the inside, dying. And this man is here. And Jesus looks at him and heals him, heals him, and he sends him away. Now, when Jesus heals someone, it's immediate. There's not a process. There's not, mm, maybe, we'll see, come back later, give us a testimony. No, when Jesus does it, there's not a spot in the Bible where when Jesus says you're healed, it's not like that. It's not a process. It's not like it's immediately healed. So this guy would have been noticeably healed. On the outside, healed on the inside, and was sent away. And what's crazy to me is that this happened in the midst of their home, and none of the Pharisees and none of the lawyers were excited that a man who was sick is now well. What? Like, was all this man's spot in your home was to be a pawn in your agenda? Like they weren't excited that this man who came into this uh, Pharisee's home was well. Like this should spark a revival. This would be like, you know what? Jesus, we've been wrong this whole time. We've never seen this done before. You must be the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's what should have happened in this moment, but it's not because what religion does, if you remember to last week, religion blinds people. Their rules and policies were more important than Jesus in their midst. And so what we have here is that it's almost like religion um, 
builds up this pride in the lives of people to where they can't even see when Jesus, God himself, is moving in their midst. What a terrifying place to be. And unfortunately, things have not changed. Churches across America, our country, our world, we give in to this religious aspect of Christianity, almost like we pretend that we're godly, but we deny the power. And you see this happen in this man's house where a person who is broken, who's hurting, who needed healed was healed. And there's no reference of celebration. In fact, Jesus must have had to deal with the murmuring in the room, which is what I would guess. Jesus does what he's not supposed to do, sends this guy away, and now they're talking amongst themselves. They're silent when Jesus asks a question, but they have side conversations more than likely. And so this is what Jesus does next. Look at it, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox? It's interesting to put them in the same sentence. I don't know. (laughs) Different culture back then. Um, Having a son or an ox that have fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. Now, he's asking this question because throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the laws that were given, there was this kind of um, addition where acts of mercy will allow you to work on the Sabbath. So if you have a loved one, a child who falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, guess what? It's right of you and good of you to not wait till tomorrow. Right? We'll be okay. You're not going to be smited. You can get in the pit and get him. Unless he's been causing you stress and turmoil, you can let him wait for a little bit. But go get him, right? And then an ox. An ox, they needed oxen. It was a big, it, was, it helped them agriculturally and in their lifestyle so they could go in and rescue this, this animal. They didn't have to, have to wait. And so Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, isn't it merciful? When you see someone hurting and broken, even on the Sabbath, and you have the ability to remedy that, isn't it merciful to do that? So they didn't have anything to say. And so Jesus goes on a tangent. Um, So these next several verses we're going to read through is Jesus addressing certain things that we need to deal with, and then we'll be done. Look at verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person and you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when you, uh, your host comes, uh, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, within our culture, we don't really see a lot of this, but um, what would happen in Jesus being as observant as he was, notice that when the Pharisee extended this dinner invitation, he stood back and he watched grown men, grown men running in and vying for or fighting for the highest positions in the room tripping each other's or running over, you slipped and fell, that's my seat, fighting, arguing, I am higher than you. We even see even Jesus' own disciples arguing, sending their mother. Hey, mom, go tell Jesus that we deserve the right hand and the left hand. I got you, sons. And then the mom goes, Right? So you even see this within them, in that culture. The way the room more than likely was set up was a U-shaped table where the person of highest honor, the most prominent person in the room, would sit in the bottom part of the U, and to the left and to the right were the highest positions, and then it would fan out from there. Nobody wanted to be over here. Especially no one wanted to walk in and not have a seat at the table. It would have, considered, it would have shown that you are low in the pecking order. Now, now, here's what this would have been like. Oh, I don't know when the last time was you've been to a wedding. I go to a few. And uh, this, uh, can, you, can you imagine, just, just for a moment, um, you, you're, the wedding's over, and you're like, great, we're going to beat the wedding party to, to the reception. And you get to reception, you walk in, and you see reservations, and you see where your name is on the table off in the corner somewhere, like you were not you know, respected or loved. You're like, you're with the people you don't even want to be with. Like, what do we do with these outcasts? We'll put them all together. And that's what you, that's where you're at. And so you get there, you're like, I don't want to sit there. And so you see up in front, like this beautiful table, like just decked out so much prettier than all the rest of the tables. And you know, you know, cause you've been to weddings before that that's the head table. That's the important one. It's where the two most important people at the wedding go, all right, the bride and then the groom. And they go there and they sit and then they have from, from that moment, from the center, the fanning out, they have their best man, their, their matron of honor, and then the wedding party. If you decided to go to this reception, you're like, you know what? The seat I deserve at this reception is the head table. And you go and you sit down and you lick the spoon and the fork just so you know you have to stay. And, uh, and then they, 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 the wedding, wedding party comes in, and, and the, the, the bride and groom are confused with what's going on, and they're distracted, but, but you're sitting in someone else's seat, and they're like, bro, that's my seat. No, nah, man, I got here first. <laughs> no, that's, that's my seat. And so what happens is if the groom or the bride come over and says, no, I'm sorry, you can't sit there. This is a seat of honor. You don't have that. In fact, you can't even sit back there anymore. Can you leave? All right, that's how that will work out. Like, that's how weird it would be. This is what was going on. They literally were arguing and fighting for the highest positions in the room. And Jesus is like, listen, when you walk into the room, don't think you're the smartest, best, most prominent person in the room. In fact, it will work out better for you if you take the lowest position. I, I know this may come as a surprise to some of you, but all the, all the way up through seventh grade, um, I was picked on and made fun of. Thank you. I was waiting. I was, dramatic pause for the awe. I had to pull that out of you. Either way, uh, like, like just bad. Like I, was, I would get beat up, picked on, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it was, it was not fun. I hated it. Uh, I tried to fit into the, the popular crowd. And it just wasn't working. 
for me. Uh, and, then, and then I moved. We moved from Indiana to Florida. I'm like, this is, this is a restart, the great restart for me. Uh, and uh, and I, knew, I knew kind of where I fell in the room. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to focus on two things. For the first time in my life, I'm going to focus on grades because I, I got picked on. I was a nerd, but I was dumb. So it just didn't work out. And so I'm going to focus on my grades and tennis. And so when I moved to Florida, that's what I focused on. And so when I would go into the lunchroom, the, the place I would sit is I would, I would sit with my geometry teacher. In case you haven't been in school in a while, some of you have been a few, few years. Uh, sitting with your teacher is not the coolest place in the room. All right? I just want to let you know that's not a good place. Like, I'm just sitting with the teacher. We're having a conversation, talking about math. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I was just sitting there. I can't even remember his name. It was a long name. Started with a G. Anyways, uh, sitting there with the teacher, having my lunch, you know, just minding my own business because I, I, I wanted to like, just kind of fly under the radar. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to be picked on anymore, but I need to be cool. I just, I just wanted to get through, survive. And, uh, and so I was there talking with the teacher. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, like the table, you know what I mean? The table, like the, the cool kids. Some of you, you know that table existed. You didn't see it either, huh? Okay, so the table uh, and, and the, like the coolest kid in eighth grade, the, the, the one all the boys wanted to be friends with and the girls wanted to date, like this guy, Chad. I remember Chad. Chad had beautiful blue eyes. Chad, uh, Chad, I'm sitting with a teacher and he says, Hey, Hey, Jeremy. Like, I was surprised he knew my name. I'm like, you know my name. And he's like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come sit with us? And me. So I, I get my lunch and I sit at the table. You know how amazing I felt? Like I know it was in eighth grade. I still think about it. I walk a little taller today because of that day. Like, I got invited to the table. But what's crazy is it changed. It actually changed the trajectory of my life from that moment on. And not necessarily a good way. Because I was finally within the crowd I wanted to be in. But it caused me to do the things that I should not have done. But either way, I felt the feeling I had to be invited to the table. Instead of showing up to the lunchroom early one day and sitting at the table without the invitation. It would have been different. That's what's going on in this moment, and unfortunately in churches today, people will either fight for the highest positions in the room, the titles, the acknowledgement, or they will passively be frustrated and bitter because they didn't get the appreciation that they want. This still happens today. Can you imagine if we walked into the room and say, you know what, I'm just here to take the lowest spot. The lowest spot. In fact, let me wash your feet. Jesus explains that later on. Let's continue because he keeps going. He said, look, verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of, just, of the just. When one, who's, uh, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God, which we'll talk about in a moment. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. So before we read the last portion, um, Jesus isn't saying you can't invite friends and family over to your house. 
It doesn't say that when you are going to have your graduation party, you can't send that invitation to your rich uncle. All right. Uh, what he's saying is this group of people, particular group of people, what they did is they only, they only ever ate with themselves, with the prominent, with the most important people because it gained for them glory and favor in the moment. And he's like, you're doing all of this, but the guy who just came in with dropsy, you didn't care anything about. You didn't care about his heart. You didn't care about his soul. You didn't care about his illness. How about instead of focusing on yourselves, you invite people within this community so that they themselves will understand what community looks like. In fact, that's what God did for you and I. Can I, can I explain for a moment? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, in perfect unity, in perfect community, did not need you and I to fulfill some type of vacancy in their already perfect community. They were in harmony. But Romans says that God shows his love, and meaning he, the love he has for his son, the love that his, he has for his spirit, that love, perfect community, harmony, and love he displays to us by sending his son to then invite us into this community. That's what he's saying. Go to the lowest parts of the earth. Go to the most broken. Go to those who don't have any hope and give them the hope that the church is supposed to offer. That's what they are supposed to do. And the guy says, yeah, blessed is everyone who eat bread in the kingdom of God. And it was kind of a backhanded statement because his belief is that all of those who are of Israel, whether you are walking right or not, all of those in Israel would eat at this banquet because of your heritage. And so he felt pretty safe and secure in that. And Jesus is about to pull the rug out from underneath him. They should just stay quiet. Like, that's what I've learned is Jesus is in the room. One, he's the greatest person in the room. Um, these people were fighting for positions and authority. The greatest person ever, ever, ever in their room. Can you imagine? And they missed it. This is what he says. But said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited. So take note of that, who have been invited. Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, um, I, I just bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Um, the other said, I, I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go to examine them. So please have me excuse. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. This is where it started, fellas. This, I'm just like, it goes all the way back. Hey, Jeremy, you can go golfing? Wait, let me check. Hey, hey babe, can, can I go? What'd she say? I gotta stay home. <laughs> like, like, she's gonna let you out today? Like, it all started here. You see, this guy got married. He's like, can't go to the banquet anymore, all right? I'm out. I'm done. Right? I'm just, for the rest of my life. Anyway, I'm just kidding. All right, don't tell Krista any of this. Just move on. I married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded I have done. And still, and still there is room. 
And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now, as I conclude, this is what's going on. During that day and age, when you have a great banquet, you would send out your first invitation. The first invitation would go out many days prior. Uh, not like our saved dates for, uh, for weddings, uh, because that was too detailed. It was, Hey, our master's going to throw a banquet. We don't know exactly when yet, but you're invited. And when they would say yes to that invitation, then when the second invite came, they were obligated to go. So the first invitation goes out. Hey, you're invited to this banquet. They're like, okay, sign me up. And then the second invitation, once the servants had prepared the meal and the feast and the festivities, everything was ready to go. Then the servants would go out to those who already said they would attend because it was a costly banquet that they had to prepare for all of the invites. The other servant would go out and say, all right, it's, it's right now. Feast is going like, the wine's there, the lamb, everything. Like, it's great. Like, I've already tasted some of it. It's really, really good. It's right now. We need to go. He's like, ah, oh, but now, mm, it's not, 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 not a good time. Just got married. Bought five oxen. It's a lot of oxen. Can't go. I just bought a new field. Each one of those um, bought a new field, material things. Man, I, I can't. I can't take this invitation. I'm too tied up in my affairs here. Oxen. Work. Ah, man, I just don't have time right now. Got a lot going on. Business is growing like crazy. Just can't. Got to focus there. Relationships. It's almost like in this very moment, we're seeing examples that transcend even their day and age, but into ours. Because what Jesus is describing as the first invitation was when the prophets went out and said, behold, there will be a day when the Messiah will come. And then you will be invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. And the first invitation went out and went out to all of Israel. And then Jesus comes. And he comes as the invitation of the kingdom of God is what? At hand. So he came for that second invitation. And Jesus is telling this man right here that even though you were a part of the first invite, you have missed what is going on. And so Jesus is like, here's what I came to do. I went to the highways and the byways. I went to the darkest places and all of the most hurtful places to find the people who are the most broken to give them the invitation because the banquet is ready. The table is set. The kingdom is ready for those who are ready to come in. And so Jesus goes out and invites all, everyone else to come, come, come. And what keeps people from saying yes to such a glorious invitation is their own pride. We saw it from the beginning all the way through now. And it's almost like Jesus is saying to even us today, don't miss the invitation because you're too prideful to see Jesus. The invitation is still there. You feel broken? The only person who can make you whole is Jesus. 
not any other person. There's no relationship that's going to satisfy. You want purpose? The only way you can find true purpose that is long-lasting and will allow you to find true identity is Jesus. It will not be in work. Titles. Do you want to feel whole? Healed? The invitation is still there. There is only one Savior and King his name is Jesus. And some pride has kept many of people from saying yes to Jesus because they missed it. And so I'm not leaving today without extending that invitation. All of your goodness, all of your rightness will not stand before the holy and righteous judge. It won't. The only way that you can have right standing with the creator of the universe is through the perfect, once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ and your trust and faith in him. And he is worth it. Some of you close your eyes for a moment. Lights are going to go out. It's amazing to me because watching the videos of the kids at Asbury College. It's almost like they were starting to get it. That everything else didn't matter in that moment. Relationships, material things, school. It's almost like they finally saw Jesus. Can I let you know that you and I in this story is the man with dropsy helpless and hopeless to fix the situation. Dying. And the, ol the only way to be healed and whole is if you are able to get Jesus' attention. And aren't you thankful that in this story that this man with dropsy didn't have to do a dance, didn't have to pay some kind of money, didn't have to jump through all kinds of hoops for Jesus to cast his gaze upon him? No matter how broken and far away you are, you don't have to do some kind of dance for Jesus to finally look your way. He is already looking your way. And the invitation is there. You want to be whole? Come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You, you want to find life, joy? It's found in Jesus. And so as Sierra leads us in this song, I'm just, just going to provide a space. If you haven't said yes to Jesus and you want to, I'm going to ask you to come forward. We'll pray with you. I, I don't want you to leave through these doors without saying yes to Jesus. If you just need prayer, Maybe life's been a mess. There's going to be people up here ready and willing to pray with you. If you want to stand and sing, stand and sing. This moment is our moment to be still, listen to what God is doing, and respond. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, what you have done and what you're going to do. In this moment, Father, I pray that you impress on the hearts of those in this room. Give them 
the encouragement and strength to do what it is you've asked of them. Father, there's people here who have not said yes to you. I pray in this moment, they say yes to the greatest invitation offered. Father, this is about you and for you. Have your way in this place. Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening.